Sometimes it looks good to say that we are innovative and it's one of our values. We're operating excellence. Um, we have integrity. But in, within that same institution, there's corruption. People exactly. do substandard work and people backstab each other and throw each other under the bus. So I think, yeah, this synergy between what you say and how you act is very, very important. Hi, I'm Murtaz Versi, and this is Engage, Relate, Perform, the show that helps leaders and organizations drive long-term results by fostering relationships and enhancing engagement. If you're looking to seriously improve your team's performance while impacting lives and succeeding at driving long-term results, then this is the show for you. It doesn't matter that you already have that dream title or simply curious about how far you can challenge yourself. I'll be giving you practical tips, relevant commentary, and valuable insights about how you can engage and utilize relationships with talent, community, and other stakeholders around you to achieve the best results and help them stick long-term. Get all the latest information at mutazaversi.com forward slash pod. Once again, it's M-U-R-T-A-Z-A-V-E-R-S-I dot com forward slash pod. Welcome to another episode of Engage, Relate, Perform. And today's episode is a continuation of a discussion I had with Ben Odwin, which has been loaded on his platform and linked in my show notes. Ben is a trainer and Tanzanian podcaster, and his show is called Why We Lead. So sit back and enjoy a different style episode, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on the topic in the new format. Without further ado, let's get to it. Really quickly, I want to give you an amazing opportunity to download my very free, very useful, very much for you, ebook titled Engage, Relate, Perform, 90 Days to Conscious Leadership and Performance Culture. It is a 90-day effective guide to get you inspired for your leadership journey daily. These are practical tips you can follow every day to guarantee you give and you get the best out of the existing relationships for long-term results. As I say, it takes 90 days to create a lifestyle. That's what culture means, a way of life. So if you want to do the work, but still enjoy the journey and above all, look forward to it day by day. Then go to mutazaversi.com forward slash pod and download your copy of Engage, Relate, Perform. 90 days to conscious leadership and sustainable performance. Now, something that I'm always curious when I'm interacting with people is one, and I think one aspect, maybe you've already mentioned it before we started recording, but I'm curious if you have something else where I'm always curious to know the one book that you wish you had read that book earlier in your life or career, like years ago. And then the second thing is, what is the one habit that you have or you practice that you wish you had started that sooner than you did, right? Um, And I'm saying on the habit aspect, there's a habit that you mentioned (laughs) that I'm curious if that's the one habit you wish you'd started earlier than you did. Yeah, so like... What's the one book you wish you had read well, <clears throat> earlier than you did? Now, this is an, assuming that it was actually published. It could be that a book that wasn't published, uh, you know, it's a recent mm. uh, published book, but let's assume it was published when it was. And then also, what's the, what's the one habit you wish you developed uh, sooner than you did? Yeah. So one of it, uh, uh, at my younger age, or at, at least at my working age, when I got started, I think Emotional Intelligence would have been the best book uh, I would have read at that time. But is it done by Daniel, Daniel Goldman? Goldman? Yes, Daniel Goldman. Yeah, That book would have been uh, so useful at that time because 
one of the things that I used to have challenges were would be uh, managing my emotions, right? And and that that would have been really useful at that particular time. But the other habit that really has helped me move to what I can do today is the empathy part. Um, understanding that my background has been in the commercial field and we are always on the go and always trying to close sales and deals, right? We were listening to respond rather than listening to understand. And that was one area that, you know, uh, I've practiced, I've practiced, I am practicing and will continue to practice mm. the area of empathy, the, the, the behavior of empathy, listening, deep listening to understand. Wow. And I think that's definitely tough, the empathy bit. Because it is. Especially, and I like the example you used there, people who work in sales uh, or marketing, anybody who works in a field where they have to persuade people, yeah. um, it's a lot harder because, you know, you're... Or, you can sometimes be so obsessed with the end you want to produce that everything else just becomes a means to that. You know, you, you, you listen so you can respond, so you can say the right thing, so, you know, you can skip this part so you can get to the end. And sometimes empathy, yeah, I can definitely understand how, how hard. It, it was, um, it was hard, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Especially when you have a belief, how- uh, a belief in certain product, for instance, as a salesperson then nothing stops you from just trying to penetrate that product into someone's throat and saying, well, take it, you know, that's, I believe in it, then you should. Yeah, I will, I will not take no for an <laughs> Yes, exactly. Which is an interesting approach because I think when you think of things like design thinking, yes. where the, I think the five cycles of design thinking, right? Empathy is one of them. Is, Absolutely. Uh, not so much d- design something that you think is good for your consumers, but rather understand the needs of your consumers, understand the world of your consumers, right? Um, w- without that, you know, the chances of success for your products are quite low because you're not designing to meet any particular True. need within your consumers. Mm-hmm. You're just designing something that you think is cool or that you think is exciting. Um, so yeah, empathy it would be, I would be curious to see if anybody's doing any sort of training around empathy for salespeople. I don't know if you do that, but <clears throat> empathy, particularly for salespeople, because I think that's definitely needed. Um, I have been coerced many times by salespeople when I know for a fact that I don't need this service. I don't need this. Uh, and it doesn't speak to my need or it doesn't necessarily address my need, but they've just been trained and wired to not take no for an answer and to push, push, and push. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, uh, as uh, coming to salespeople, then the sales perspective, I think uh, the relationship building is so important. That trust level with your customer is so important. But many, uh, many of salespeople don't go through that process. Uh, and the more uh, focused on targets and results for this year. And, and many organizations have that challenge. Once the target is done, uh, then, you know, it's another target. Rather than building that empathy part for salespeople, uh, using the questioning technique so well and listening to understand that, you know, that, that goes to really the design thinking uh, of a product or service that we offer. And so empathy plays a very important no. part for, 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 that, for that process. How do you do that? Now, in co- <laughs> empathy. Yeah. I think I think for me personally, empathy is also something that I've always struggled because I think I was socialized to believe that understanding has to go hand in hand with accepting. Mm. And so I always struggle to be empathetic. I can only be empathetic once I accept what you accept. 
Um, and so once I learned to separate the two where I can understand um, without necessarily completely agreeing with um, whatever reality you have, right? Correct. Um, I think it became a lot, it became a lot easier. It freed me uh, to be more empathetic because before it, it was always a struggle of I understand, but put in the same situation, would I handle it that way? Would I think of it that way? Um, and so if I disagree on that front, then I struggle to be empathetic. But I think once... I came to realize that it's not about me. It's not about what I would do. It's about completely, you know, walking in the shoes of that person yeah. uh, and seeing mm-hmm. it from their point of view. Then it became a lot easier for me to just to be empathetic. Um, but of course, every now and again, I always have to, rem- to remind myself, you know, because I think my natural element is that. So it's a journey, to be honest. Sure, and, it's, um, it's for all of us. Better yeah. now than I was a few years ago. Yeah, for and, all of um, us. And and that's that's that's, that's exactly what you're saying is appreciating different perspective or we would ca- would say you know appreciating diversity in terms of thoughts ideas and once we appreciate that diversity of uh, thoughts then we can accept uh, accept that you know you have your perspective i my perspective and there's nothing wrong with that uh, how do we move forward uh, that's what plays a part then mm. yeah in continuing this conversation i, I like a few things that uh have come up um, in this conversation of um, talking about delegation and empowerment. And there are a few things now that I want to uh, dig on, right? Where one, you've mentioned now something, this whole idea of diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, it's a romantic idea in the world of leadership, but it's a lot hard to, com- to implement because I think in most cases, we like people who think like us. <laughs> we like people who are aligned with our worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we tend to even shun um, any sort of disagreement. We want people to agree. Uh, we want there to be no conflict, nothing like that. And in fact, there's a book by um, Patrick Lincioni, I think the five dysfunctions of a team, yes. where he says that one of them is if there's no disagreement. Sometimes people tend to look at the lack of disagreement as a sign of successful or healthy teams. Correct. We agree on everything. It means we are on the same page. Whereas Lincioni disagrees with that. He says, if you're agreeing on everything, just know that something is terribly wrong. Um, it's either, you know, there's no diversity of thought, which is a problem because everyone thinks the same way. So chances of innovating or doing anything differently is very mm-hmm. low. Or people live in constant fear of disagreement, which is even worse, uh, which means people will just agree for the sake of avoiding disagreement. And it doesn't necessarily work like that. And so thinking of that whole idea of diversity, diversity of thought and trying to drive collaboration. What do leaders need to do, do you think, in, in your opinion, to be comfortable with working with people who think differently from them? Looking at that uh, perspective of, uh, uh, first, you know, being removing the defensive part of saying, we are arguing because, between me and Ben. It's more about the issue that they want to deliberate and discuss. So it's about taking the issue, putting it on the table, discussing it for the betterment of the organization or the family, whatever that is. But then it's about being aware that that is consciously aware, being consciously aware all the time. Uh, And that's being mindful about yourself and about people around you, right? That they can bring those things. And for leaders, allowing those discussions or even instigating those discussions, and allowing it to happen and making sure it doesn't become personal, but it's it becomes more of a culture and it is the issue that we all can be comfortable with 
So un- being uncomfortable with comfort or being comfortable with uncomfortable situation, right? Uh, and that if that is yeah. practiced, leaders should be able to allow people to come in with ideas and thoughts. But also understanding that th- there are personality issues as well and understanding that we are all different in our personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also helps in trying to uh, bring ideas. So we all have different ways of uh, buying stuff uh, or selling. Uh, and in that way, once we understand how you buy and I present it in that way, we can always move towards discussing that particular issue uh, rather than, you know, taking it more personal. So it's and about I think I like this whole mindfulness. Of, yeah. And I think this concept of essentially a leader creating a space where it's okay for people to think differently. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think a skill that I believe, uh, there's a book I think by John Maxwell um, that's, I think the title, if I'm not mistaken here, is that uh, I think it's the leadership and the art of asking questions, questions something mm-hmm. like that. I'll have to probably um, look it up, uh, where I believe that asking questions is, yeah, I think the title of the book is called Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. I think that leadership goes hand in hand with the ability to be able to ask the right questions, because many times leaders fall into the habit of asking self-affirming questions. You've made a decision in your head or in a, an executive team. And so you go to your team and you've already made a decision. You are seeking consensus. And so every question you ask is self-affirming. It's a yes and no question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the direction that I think we should go in. What do you guys think? Or oh, there's this habit. Uh, there's an author called uh, David Marquet who essentially says, pay attention to how people speak. There are people who at the end of most of their sentences, they add the question, right? That's a self-affirming question. You know, I, this is... I, th- I believe this is the way that we should go, right? Uh, and so yeah. you're, you're not driving a discussion. You're not opening it up for discussion. You're essentially saying this is the way and you're just seeking affirmation from someone else. And I must have said it in this, in this episode as well because I sometimes use that affirmation of right. And so, of course, people will be put in a situation where you only have to say yes or no. Most people will probably say yes, um, even though they have you know their own ideas and their own opinions and thoughts. So I, I, I think... Leaders have to really develop and invest in developing the ability to ask uh, questions that would drive discussion, questions that would sometimes create disagreement, healthy disagreement, Absolutely. so that the discussion is enlarged and then you get new ideas or the whole concept is expanded. I think a lot of um, failed strategies could have been avoided if in the formulation period or in the process of seeking um, collaboration or consensus, there was a healthy discussion where people disagree, where people came up with different ideas. But I think if we're not intentional, it is very natural and very easy to ask self-affirming questions. I do it most of the time Mm -hmm. and I have to catch myself, say, okay, um, I have to phrase this differently. Otherwise, we're not getting the most productive outcome in this discussion. If I'm just going to be pushing what I think is the way, or if I'm going to be pushing, and this can happen on so many levels, I think, even on a family level, right? Mm-hmm. When you're having a discussion with your wife, um, it's very right. easy to also, you think this is what, what, you, what we should be doing, and then that's what you push. Um, and depending on the day, you know, you might get a healthy discussion, or you might get a yes, a reluctant yes, and then only to find out later that, okay, maybe we shouldn't have done that one. Um, so, yeah, I like. The and I just got you using the right just in between that sentence. <laughs> So yeah, I think that proves how natural it is to to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a lesson for all of us. Yeah. Absolutely, right absolutely, absolutely. Most of your mm-hmm. sentences. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I mean, uh, if if we look at uh, the the leadership perspective and uh, engage in 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 terms of delegation and empowerment and, and and looking at empathy as a tool to be able to get you there, but also then that empathy drives you to become more of a coach rather than telling people what to do. Correct. Mm. Correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I expected that answer. Uh, becoming a coach. <laughs> And when we become a coach, that helps then the team to open up and and have those discussions. Um, otherwise, you um, we we tend to uh, push down or we tend to hold those ideas. They may have beautiful ideas that they want to come up with, but you're you're not allowing them to bring those to the table because willing to discuss or engage in those difficult uh, discussions that might come during that process and therefore leadership is is not easy it's a journey for me it is from the time you are born to the time you die that's a journey of leadership we always tend to become better in what we do in, in the leadership journey and what do you think in your in your opinion and in your experience of leadership what do you think is the primary quality of a leader right i've heard many things i've heard people who say that integrity is the primary or the fundamental or foundational quality of a leader. I think there's a European general, forgot his name, but he does this quote, and I've used this a number of times, where he says that leadership is two things. Um, it's strategy and character. And if you have to abandon one, abandon strategy. So in his point of view, the primary or foundational quality of a leader is character. It's who you are as a person. It's your ability to act, you know, what you believe. Uh, it's to do what you say. Um, and it's to act that way whether people are watching or not. Um, and then there are other people who say the foundational quality of a leader is their ability to persuade people and to make sure to get people to buy into whatever vision or mission that they have. Uh, now, in your point of view, what do you think is the foundational quality of any leader in any sort of like a sphere of influence? So I would, I would use that as my values. Uh, and the values that I work on is about being ethical and authentic. Uh, mm. ethic in, in, in the sense of saying, yes, I'm wrong. And this is, uh, what has to be done and be, uh, be doing things even when no one's watching you, uh, but authentic in a way yeah. that you come forward and uh, accept uh, that you don't know something or you are who you are, right. And you're willing to learn. And that's how I am. And I'm willing to open up. So being authentic, showing your authentic self to others. Uh, in that way, what happens as leaders, and that's why I said leadership is a journey from the time you're born to the time you uh, die, is that we are always there to learn and grow. And when that's, for me, a leader. Uh, but on the other hand, what, we, what I believe really leaders has to do is it can influence outcomes by inspiring people. Mm. Right? Mm. Uh, so it can influence outcomes and inspire people based on that outcome. Uh, and they have to see through that authentic, ethical uh, leader that you bring along with you uh, that would actually get the buy-in. And do you think, I mean, speaking of authenticity, because that those are like high-level qualities where in most cases I see that, which is a conversation that I have, I'm having with a lot of leaders, where this concept of building a culture or hiring for culture. And you see that if we look at our country and our context, there are a number of people who have jobs simply because of the salary. I just have to pay my bills. I need the job. 
So they don't necessarily buy into the vision or the mission of the organization. They don't believe in what the organization is doing. They're just there for the paycheck. And in which case, they're not too engaged. And I know you do a lot of training and coaching in the area of engagement. Uh, So in that particular context, speaking of displaying authenticity Mm -hmm. as a leader, knowing that if your team members are not a group that would particularly appreciate authenticity because after all, they're not as engaged because they're not there for the right reasons. They're just there for the paycheck. I mean, the paycheck is the right reason, but it's not sufficient enough to completely engage someone in a particular mission. So in, so do you think now to really heighten the appreciation of a quality like authenticity, should leaders always make sure that they're hiring people who are completely engaged? Or is that too idealistic of a thought? I think it's, it's number one, um, hiring attitude over skills. But at the same time, you want to hire attitude. Uh, as a leader, you've got to also check, have a checklist or have a mirror of your attitude, right, as a leader. Mm. So people don't leave work, they leave their bosses. Uh, you've heard that saying so many times. And it be- only becomes the paycheck is when the leader doesn't engage. But what I've also realized, more importantly, it's not about the vision and the values only. It's about the purpose of the individuals versus the purpose of the business. Why do they exist as a business? And why does that individual exist as an individual? Yeah. And when you are able to understand the why, like Simon Sinek says, start with a why. Mm. And you know, when people yeah. understand why they are there and what impact they give to what that business impacts uh, around them, then it's easier to start engaging and then you know, getting to the vision, getting to the values and the behaviors. But the other thing that we also need to understand is when we talk about values, are those values good for our marketing tool or do we behave as leaders based on the values that we have? Yes. Right. So I think that's very important. I I once went to a bank and I think one of the values stamped was excellence. Yes. And then I went to the restroom and it was the opposite of excellence. So exactly, I understand sometimes it looks good to say that we are innovative and it's one of our values. We're operating excellence. Uh, we have integrity, but in within that same institution, there's corruption, people exactly. do substandard work and people backstab each other and throw each other under the bus. So I think, yeah, this synergy between what you say and how you act is very, very important. Absolutely. So that's, that's the part where I think uh, when we talk about values and we talk about the culture that we have and developing those culture. We were doing a, we were doing work with some company uh, a few uh, months ago, just before COVID, really. And <clears throat> they were actually surprised. And this is top management. They're actually surprised when I took them through their purpose of the business. And they were quite trying to relate it with mission. Uh, what was their mission? And by the time they came out, it took us about three hours to drive that understanding uh, and their discussions. And, you know, when you have leaders who think they know it all, right, then you have to uh, help them uh, unlearn to learn. Uh, and so when we went through that process, you'll find that by the time they came out from there, they, uh, they were like much happier. They understood why they were there. They understood why their uh, staff members or subordinates behaved the way they did. Uh, and so there were some examples that they could share and they went back to amend that, uh, that behavior. And suddenly they start seeing a new behavior, a new culture pop up 
within the departments. Sometimes is actually digging down to purpose. Purpose is very, very important. Purpose-driven leadership. Yeah. yeah. Very important. Very important. Now, um, as we're essentially coming to an end of mm-hmm. our conversation, mm-hmm. um, you've tapped or mentioned a number of values there. What would you say is the one value that you will not compromise no matter the cost? Ethics. Ethics. Absolutely. And let me tell you why. And, and, and I, I, went through, I went through a journey to, to really map down the ethical part. Uh, of, of why ethics is so important. <clears throat> I remember, and when I look at ethics, I also look at what really challenged me in my emotions because that challenges my emotions and that is a trigger for me uh, to move from, uh, when I told you earlier, it had the challenge of managing my emotions. Say when people steal from me or lie to me, those are two things that I will never accept. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's okay for you to tell me I'm sorry, I failed, I own it. I'm happy to let you go. I'm happy to go to zero and say, let's start all over again. It's fine. But when lied to or cheated, then that's that's a big challenge for me. And therefore, I like to make that very open to whoever I'm speaking to, that there are two things that I will not tolerate. And that is one part of the ethical perspective that I really... uh, so because you will not tolerate those things, you will not do them to others as, as well. well. And so... What is it? Do unto others what you would like them to do unto you, yeah. Yes, but sometimes it's even more than that, right? It's, it's, it's another perspective. Wow. Is do what you, others would like the way you would like. They would like to be handled, right, as well. Mm. So, you know, in that situation, we have to really... Uh, I'm really focused on that. Uh, value perspective of ethics that is critical for me. It, it gives me a lot of challenges. It yeah. has uh, mm-hmm. it has done uh, a lot of uh, harm in my business uh, in terms of growth. But I'm happy that uh, I can still stick to it. Yeah, and I think I like that aspect because you know, for you, you mentioned happiness. I think for me, it's it's peace. Yeah, I would say that if if there is one value that I will not compromise, no matter the cost, would be the pursuit of congruence. Um, I always like to make sure that I act and conduct myself in accordance to what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, because whenever I act differently, then I'm anxious, um, I'm stressed, and I, and I don't have peace. True. And I've come to learn that, you know, I, I like peace um, in spite of the circumstances I'm in. And so sometimes, even if the journey to maintaining or sustaining the peace that I have would mean losing a particular client or uh, then I'm fine because ultimately none of these um, conquests in between will be equivalent to the peace that I have. You know, you can't buy your way into peace. So I think yeah, I, I understand that um, to maintain that aspect of happiness, um, you have to be ethical. And I think for me to sustain the peace that I have, I have to always make sure that I live congruently in all aspects of my life. True. Nice. I like that. I like that. That's brilliant. And I guess that's so what, we've come that's to what brings of- us uh, to this uh, podcast then. It always shows that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- I think we've come to the end of our conversation. Yes. Um, it's long. Eh? It's one hour, but and- it was just like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> to our dear listeners, thank you for listening. Um, and hopefully this was useful to you guys. And yeah, hopefully there's many more to come. I don't. Do you have any last words for... Those well, it's listening. it's nice uh, to have you, uh, those who are listening to this episode. And uh, yeah, we look forward to sharing more with Ben. Thank you very much for having Thank me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. 
You've been listening to Engage, Relate, Perform, hosted by me, Mutraza Bersi. Make sure you've subscribed to this show so you don't miss a single episode. And be sure to visit mutrazabersi.com forward slash port to download all the resources, show notes, and all the freebies mentioned in this episode, including your copy of my highly effective ebook, Engage, Relate, Perform, 90 Days to Conscious Leadership and Performance Culture, plus extras just for subscribe. Once again, Go to matazaversi.com forward slash pod and get everything you need. And we'll be back next week for more Engage, Relate, Perform.